Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Troy Richards, the senior pastor here at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri. I'm joined by our worship pastor, Daniel Mawson, and we're glad you decided to join us today. This podcast was created to show how all of God's Word leads us to a better understanding of Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior and Lord. Our church is working through a reading plan to read the entire Bible in a year, and each week we invite people to share what insights they've learned and what the Holy Spirit has revealed through the reading of God's Word. We'll also address some questions, some serious, some that are a lot of fun to talk about, all from this week's reading. And we pray that you will see how amazing the Bible is to read each and every day. And by us sharing some of our highlights, we hope you will be inspired to read it for yourself. You can find our reading plan and read along with us at www.firstbaptistjackson.com. All right, well, welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast again. My name is Daniel Mostyn. I'm here with Pastor Troy. Pastor Troy, that was me. That's, I'm Pastor Troy. That's, that's Pastor Troy. He's right in front of me. And we have, again, joining with us a second week in a row. She's so faithful. So faithful. <laughs> Haley Woods is back again. Welcome back, Haley. Thank Somebody you. told me, Haley, that Adam Burke is their favorite guest on the podcast so far. Uh-huh. You have to overcome oh, no. the Adam yeah. Burke competition. I'm going to have to come back a Another, another week. time, Another time, just to show. Yeah. I'm more faithful than Adam Burke. <laughs> That's right. So, Haley, um, we talked a little bit about you um, last week. So, is there anything mm-hmm. you've just kept hidden from the podcast that you just really <laughs> want to tell us about yourself? Did you tell us what you do, like, where you work right now? No, I didn't. But hey. currently, I work at Trinity Lutheran School. Ooh. Lutheran yes. school. You traitor. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, we I don't do that. No, no Lutherans listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, so I was curious because you said that you were going to social work and, mm-hmm. and even getting a law degree. Mm-hmm. So, what uh, is there something that's happened in your life or something that's moved you in that direction? Do you have a, a was there a burning bush or something? Or <laughs> um, Specifically for like foster and adoption, that sector. Um, I am really involved with, like, my aunt and my uncle, and they've fostered and they've adopted three. Mm. And so I would – I remember specifically one time um, I was over there, like, watching the kids, helping watch the kids and everything. And a social worker came and was, like, examining the house and things like that. And it wasn't really – like, at that time, I wasn't like, wow, I want to do that. Like, I want to check (laughs) I want to examine a house, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that. It was just, like, um, over the course of however many years that they fostered, I was like – wow, they're, like, really making a difference. They still have yeah. um, kids that they first fostered in, like, 2012 that are still around, and, wow. and one of them even lives with them, um, but he's out of the system. So they just, like, really made an impact wow. and, I guess, inspired me to... Yeah, well, that's um, awesome. That yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. that system needs some good oh, people yeah. in it. Yeah, it's, it's very yes. worker poor, yes. and so, anyway, that's great. I'm glad you're... I'm, gl- I'm excited about what God is yeah. doing in your life there. Mm-hmm. So, Well, cool. we are looking at this week. This was another amazing week of reading. You know, yeah. how can I not say that? I always there's, a, <laughs> there's something I always tend to do is I'll say, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And people are like, you always say that. It's like, it's really good. And there are a lot of <laughs> lot of things. But this week we talked about, uh, we read about the rebellion of Korah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had this uh, mm-hmm. staff challenge that uh, where they all put their staffs out. And God made Aaron's staff bud. That was awesome. And uh, this is the, but this is also the week where Moses makes a major misstep and loses his access, loses his tickets to the mm. promised land. Um, the also uh, the bronze snake, uh, that's it becomes a big thing if you've ever heard about um, the uh, snake. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that. And um, and also uh, Balaam, 
the car- uh, the, 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 the Balaam story is in this part. So if you ever wanted to know more about Balaam yeah. and the donkey that talked uh, before <laughs> there was Shrek, yeah. there was Balaam. <laughs> And um, and so also that and Joshua gets commissioned. So a lot transpires There's in this section of Numbers. It's one of, it's one of the better sections. This makes mm-hmm. Numbers worth reading. It this really is, it's this is really where it stops being uh, ho hum boring. Yeah, fest. just repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. Uh, and we get in some really great stories. And in Mark, well, you have some good psalms. I don't want to take away from that, and I'll continue on in the collection of Proverbs. But uh, in Mark. We have the triumphal entry of Jesus and and a little issue with the fig tree that we're probably going to talk about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, him cleansing the temple. Again, a mention of the abomination of desolation, which is just the coolest oh. word ever. And, uh, and it's my next metal band name. <laughs> the abomination of desolation. <laughs> Find us on um, Spotify. That's right. Um, <laughs> you've heard of AOC. This is AOD. <laughs> Similar. Uh, and <laughs> anyway, a little political there. Uh, and uh, then speaking of politics, uh, Jesus uh, gives us the lowdown on the difference between uh, on money, on, on the use of money, um, on paying taxes. And and then goes into the widow's tithe, which is awesome. And then we also have the the, the first Lord's Supper mm. is in this passage. So some really incredible reading. Now, I, and again, just another plug for the podcast. And I really don't know why I'm plugging it because you're obviously listening it's to it. Literally but, preaching to the choir. <laughs> but literally, but the reason why I should tell your friends is is that it's not like you have to do the reading. But if you're not doing the reading, you at least learn what's in that section of you know. This is kind of the Cliff's Notes version of reading the Bible. Yeah. So for people who are just too lazy to read. It. You can just listen to the podcast each week and go, hey, I can I can talk intelligently about what uh, – and we won't mislead you. We're not going to purposefully say this was in the reading this week just to throw you off and embarrass you in front of your much more knowledgeable friends. Uh, but uh, so, uh, so anyway, that's exciting. Yeah. So – Haley, what stood out to you in your reading? Because you are so faithful to read the text. So what what stood out to you this week? Um, the first thing that I found was in Numbers um, 21, um, kind of in the story of the bronze snake. Um, in verse 7, whenever the people come to Moses and they're like, hey, look, we recognize that we sinned. Will you go intercede for us with the Lord? Um, and so that's, he, it says, and, Mo- and Moses interceded for the people. Um, and me and Daniel have talked about this a little bit, but how different it must have been now that we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that they had to rely on a person that was just like them to intercede for them. Um, now we have Jesus interceding in the Holy Spirit, but to put your faith in another person that isn't Jesus, it's like, how do you have hope in that? You yeah. Know? There's, I mean, I guess... Ultimately, it has to be their hope in God that whenever Moses does intercede, God will forgive. But you still have to rely on Moses for yeah. you. And that, I don't know, I just can't yeah. imagine that. Well, and we're looking at it having already received yes, Jesus right. and know yeah. who Jesus is. And so Moses is the closest thing you have to Jesus mm-hmm. at that particular time. Uh, but even then, he says, there's going to be someone greater than me that's coming mm-hmm. later. Um, and that's kind of all through the Old Testament. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm good, <laughs> but yeah. someone greater than me is coming. And that happens all the way through John the Baptist. John the Baptist, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then Jesus gets here and never says that again. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no one greater than him coming. But, uh, well, and you struck me. There is. He does say, though, that greater there things is, you yeah. do. One yeah, coming. One coming. Yes. And then greater yeah. things you all will do collectively through the power of the Holy Spirit than what I've done here. So, ooh, mm-hmm. wow. Revelation. How yeah, how about that? Okay, cool. All right, what else? 
That's good stuff. In Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Um, verse 3 and 4. I was going to bring up 3 and 4, but really? you can have it. You can have okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, the main thing I got from that is um, I wrote down that not confessing drains us and we feel the weight of our sin. Um, I think, well, for me personally, um, if I don't verbally confess to God, like if I recognize my sin and don't verbally confess it, I still feel the weight of it mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, whenever I'm praying or whatever. Um, and it really, it really does drain you. It, it's the weight of sin, like the, I think we um, don't take it seriously mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, and so realizing that, um, like David felt the weight of his sin and he recognized that it drains you and um, you feel, he said his bones became brittle um, and I think that that's, um, to an extent how we should recognize, um, that our sin does make us broken like that. Yeah. Um, and, but yet we do, if we just confess, then like we do have that forgiveness. Um, and he says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, but you have to confess in order to, um, have that. So, mm. Yeah. Cool. And this psalm is the mascal. Is the mascal. Mm-hmm. And uh, which I thought was a Lord of the Rings character, <laughs> but uh, Daniel clarified our worship aficionado. Yeah. What is a mascal, David? Resident. Daniel? A mascal. So, um, you know, we're not we don't, we don't have the same language as them back in the day. But the best that people can figure, and the best that I've been told, is that a psalm. You, you look at the Psalms, right, and one line copies the next line. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in this case, um, Psalm 32, most scholars think, is a sequel of Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is where um, David is lamenting his sin with Bathsheba, right? So if we skip forward to Psalm 51, for example, it says, um, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. That's statement one. And then statement two is, According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Mm-hmm. Same thing, same request, Stated two different ways. That's a psalm, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's how most of the psalms are organized. Statement, statement that complement each other. A mascal, and that's more of like a heady thing. A mascal is more of a contemplative meditation that is set to more, more like poetry, like we think of it today. So, if you look in verse three, this is what I was looking at um, of Psalm 32. It says, "When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted it away through my groaning all day long." That's not a section and a section that complement each other. That's just poetry meditating on mm-hmm. the same thing that Psalm 51 was talking about, but in a way that's more contemplative mm-hmm. and um, meditative. So similarly, and this is kind of my devotional thought of on this, similarly, when we're thinking through concepts that the Holy Spirit is giving us, mm-hmm. we have the word, we have um, the heady knowledge that is the revealed word of God. And then when we take that, we can take it and read it and glean truth from it, and that's great. But what David was doing is he took the words of God um, from Nathaniel, the prophet, and he wrote a psalm, and then he meditated on it and received more truth from Mm -hmm. that. So it's not just the reading, but it's the meditation of God's word that gives us a more complete knowledge. So Mm -hmm. that's more of an explanation than you're asking for. Well, I don't know about you, Haley, but I feel like my brain is like (laughs) swelling from that kind of information. That's pretty awesome. Actually, stuff I never knew. That's pretty cool. I never paid attention to it for sure. But um, cool. 
Cool, 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 cool. And Maskell is spelled M-A-S-K-I-L, in case you didn't know that. Or Maskell. didn't actually look in the Bible and see where it's written. Okay, <laughs> Haley, you had something else. You had something else for us. Yeah, my final thing was in Mark uh, 13, 32. Um, now, concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. I was reading this, and I was like, how ignorant are we to be like, Oh man, Jesus is coming soon. Like I know it's gonna happen. <laughs> he doesn't even know. The angels or write don't a even book know. about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was Best like, selling fiction series. Yeah, I was just like, wow, <laughs> how ignorant as a people. Yes, <laughs> pet peeve of mine. But you uh, nailed it. It's like so many people, especially when the year 2000 was coming around, mm. and you're probably not gonna be recollect that as well as me but the uh, but there were so many people writing books of how jesus is going to come back in the year 2000 and this day and whatever when uh this is way before your time but uh there was a book that came out 88 reasons why jesus is coming back in 1988 <laughs> and i kid you not he literally wrote a sequel called 89 Reasons <laughs> Why He's Coming Back in 1989. After And people bought it. And it's like, <laughs> seriously? Are you still – how long How long is he going to – and I'm like, well, I guess he's making a buck. I guess I, – who can blame him? <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, those are, those are awesome. I, I was looking at something in Mark chapter 11. Um, the um, uh, and, and some other people caught this as well. It says, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And, and this is one of those <laughs> passages that uh, it's one of those that just bothers me because it's like he's Jesus. How would he not know it had figs before he got over there? It's like he looked from afar. It's like, so are we saying the Son of God doesn't have good vision? Or are we saying that he doesn't, that he looks at the tree and goes, oh, I really want some figs. I'm going over that tree. I'm looking for figs and there's none here and I'm bummed oh, about man. it. So I'm cursing the tree. And, uh, and all so, the power of the universe. Get all the power of the universe. We're gonna kill a tree because I didn't get the figs I wanted. It, when the same guy who can make loaves and fishes feed five thousand people, it's like could he not create a trail mix that would satisfy his hunger? You know, based whatever. And uh, and 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 it is. Uh, it's important to remember that nothing is wasted in the Gospels. The stories mm-hmm. are told for a reason. And he's getting ready to move into the cleansing of the temple and to show that this is that the nation of Israel and their their gaudy G A W D Y worship mm-hmm. is just all a bunch of fluff with no substance. And so he sees this tree that has all these leaves and looks wonderful and so forth. But uh, even though it's not the season for figs, he's trying to show that there's no where there is no fruit, where there's an abundance of leaves and it looks like there should be fruit, where there is no fruit, uh, it's worthless to God. Hmm. And and that's what they were doing. They had all this stuff going on, uh, and it had no purpose, no rhyme, no reason. Doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter whether this is when God would. Would appropriate this, not waiting for God. Hey, Daniel, I, we didn't talk about this earlier, but just hit me. This is because we were talking about the out of season. Why would he include mm. that comment? And but one of the things Israel was doing was not paying attention to the the cycle of when God makes things happen. 
they were just simply making things happen, mm. you know, selling their trinkets and so forth and saying, do this. And it's like going and saying, it's like telling God, I need you to bless me now because it's convenient in my schedule instead of going to God and say, when are you going to release your blessing? Mm. And, and so Jesus is just simply saying, this is, this tree exemplifying the nation of Israel is worthless and he curses it and the tree dies uh, as a result of this curse showing that Jesus is saying, I'm going to remove this whole system. I'm just, it's done and it's going to waste away and be gone. And actually after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, um, the temple system was removed. It was, there is no, um, you may not be aware, but there is no temple and there are no, (laughs) there is no sacrificial system. And so it it happened just exactly as Jesus said. Uh, Now we know that we have Jesus replaces that with himself and he becomes the perfect sacrifice. He is the atonement for our sins and so forth. So we don't have to have some type of sacrificial system. And he says that now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He he first being the temple of the Holy Spirit uh, and then gives that spirit to us and then effectively makes us all a temple um, uh, by making us a holy of holies, uh, preparing us, making us capable of containing the Holy Spirit. But anyway, all that all that entwined in this story of saying that, uh, and, I, and you can also liken it to what he says about the vine later, about how when there's no fruit, um, that's, that's how you know that God is at work, how you know that God is the one who's doing it, is that it bears fruit. Works of God bear fruit uh, for when it is needed. And we also, uh, uh, something else I picked up on was that um, when Timothy, when Paul is talking to Timothy and says that he needs to be ready in season, and out of season, instant in season, out of season. Um, that also this shows that it's not about when what the season is for uh, bearing fruit. It's about us always that with God uh, we bear fruit all the time. Uh, we should always be ready to uh, be people who bear fruit. So anyway, a lot of stuff yeah. in that. But um, so if you got if you got hung up on the fig tree as much as I, it's not trying to say that Jesus hates trees or <laughs> Jesus was a tree killer. Uh, <laughs> that is not the moral of the story. But um, something else for Daniel gets off uh, goes off on his uh, things that spoke to him. Uh, the uh, the rod of Aaron. And uh, was we talked last week about how why did God choose the Levites and so forth, and and that was a a question that Israel had. Why what makes them so special? Why are they getting to be the people who do these things? And why does Aaron's family get to be the priest? And so they have this rebellion. uh, The sons of Kohar, uh, uh, the people within Levi, the Levites. and um, and so God says, I'm going to judge these people. Well, first he's going to wipe out everybody. And so a bunch of rebellious people are going to wipe out everybody. Moses intercedes, as he does, and says, no, 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 you're going to kill some innocent people with them. And he says, okay, I'm going to focus on these three who are instigating this rebellion. I would not be around them. And so, <laughs> so they're like warning people. It's getting right. Wouldn't you love that moment of people saying, hey, I know we were supposed to play cards tonight, but I think my family's going to go to the other side of the camp and get away from you because it doesn't look good. Uh, it's like, hey, you guys want to come over? No, I don't think we're coming over uh, because God's getting ready to judge you. And and so they all get away and literally 
Moses says the ground's going to open. Something bad could happen, like the ground could open and swallow you up and, and close above you. And that's exactly what God does. He opens up the ground. They all fall in as if that wasn't bad enough. It then closes back over the top of them. <laughs> you know, you sit here thinking, that has to be... You know, as a kid growing up, I remember when Bob got <laughs> swallowed up by the ground. That would make an impact on me as a youngster, you know, and so forth. You would think that they would never leave God ever again. But again, they have other acts of rebellion. Days later. And, <laughs> days later, I know. It's like, did you not remember this? And uh, and actually, it wasn't done with the opening of the ground. Uh, a plague then went out upon all of um, of the uh, people and thousands of people that died. Uh, before they could stop the plague from spreading. And uh, and then, after all that, uh, they have them bring their rods up, and uh, and then God makes Aaron's rod blossom and then bear almonds um, on his rod to show that he is indeed the one that God has chosen. Here's something, though, that uh, I took away from that, is that so many times in... Uh, I remember years ago, I had a guy who was serving as director of missions, and uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord. And some people were upset with his leadership and so forth and were saying, hey, we should get rid of him or fire him or whatever. And, you know, I just I reminded him, I said, you know, I didn't put him in that position. I didn't. Uh, God, God used the people at the time or whatever to put him in that role, and he is in that role. And if God sees fit to remove him, then he will move us to remove him from that role. But we are not going to try to purposefully condemn him or disrespect his role or, or whatever. We're not going to speak ill against him until God does that. Um, same thing with pastors and people put in leadership roles in the church. Sometimes within the church, you become think that this person needs to, we need to do something bad to them or treat them in a bad way. I've seen pastors really poorly treated. Not here. We are treated wonderfully here. Daniel and I are very well treated. And uh, but um, but there are places where people do think, who is he? Who is he to be authoritative over us? Or who are you to say these things to us or whatever? And it's important to remember that through the whatever the process happens in your church, that you have put this that this person has been placed in a position of authority, ordained by God. And now they are the authoritative figure in your life, in your church's life. And so you listen to them and respect that authority for as long as God keeps them in that role. Uh, if they, uh, there are warnings that if they mishandle that and don't handle it faithfully, God will remove them. He will take them. Uh, he'll remove that light. But um, but as long as they're there, uh, we need to respect and um and respect that authority. And that goes for your boss. It goes for the president of the United States. It goes for whoever in your life has been put in a position of authority over you to recognize that God is the one who ultimately allows those authorities to be there and to respect them. Uh, and if you feel like they're not doing a good job, uh, pray that God would have them uh, removed. So what about you, Daniel? Yeah, so um, most of my stuff came from Numbers, a little bit of Mark, Um just talking about, um, man, where to start? In chapter 11, a lot of it for me comes in chapter 11 when people are complaining again about what God's done. And, and I get it. You know, they were they were bored from the food they were eating, and they were they were just experiencing all this stuff, um, craziness. And it's it's a fearful thing to come under the hand. Who was that quote? It's a it's a terrifying thing to come under the hands of an angry God. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Um, the sermon. Um, and. And I get their, I get that they were 
living in a time of uncertainty, wandering around, trying to figure things out, and God was doing all these incredible, amazing, and terrifying, truly, things in their midst. Um, and Moses starts to get frustrated with their grumblings, their complainings. And, um, and then several verses later, God gets frustrated with their grumblings and complaints. And he kind of gets frustrated with Moses' frustration. And um, I guess what that showed me, not only just, you know, don't complain when God says or does something, right? But also that my, when I get frustrated with, you know, maybe like my leadership of God's people or with people around me, even Christians that I feel like should be acting a certain way that aren't, um, that my frustration doesn't generally mirror God's frustration. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when God is frustrated, as in like he showed in this story, when God's frustrated with something, he will take care of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's he will take care of it on his own time and his own power. Um, and in verse 23 of chapter 11, I feel like it um, it really sums up my thought. Is It says, The Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's power limited? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. Mm. And it's like, ah, oh, how many times do I get frustrated at something that I feel like should be happening? And maybe legitimately would be a good thing if it happened. Maybe someone's sinning or maybe something's not handled, being handled the way I think it should be. But I think I need to take care of it myself. And so I go about and I do it thinking that I speak for God. And then this rebuke comes mm-hmm. up in scripture that says, I will, I will take care of it myself. Like you said about poor leadership, you know, if yeah. there's, if there's something going on, I'm going to remove that. Right. You don't have to fight my battles for me. Right. Um, I can take care of myself. Yeah. I can take care of myself. Yeah. And so it's just a pride thing. I think in, in me sometimes thinking that just because he's, he's entrusted some things to me mm-hmm. that I, I elevate myself above, you know, to the point where I have to defend God. Yeah. Um, and that that's even true in sharing the, sharing the gospel with people. Like, they have questions that I don't know the answers to or stuff like that. I don't have to know the answers to questions. The Holy Spirit will make what needs to be clear, clear. I just need to be faithful to do what God's actually told me to do. Right. Um, and I just, and on a kind of funnier thing, in, in chapter 12, uh, verse 3, when Moses... <laughs> is uh, finishing up, you know, the book of Numbers. Um, it says, um, they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. And then verse 3 says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so I just hope someday when I'm writing my biography and I say <laughs> all the great things that I am, that God remembers that he allowed Moses to, to say <laughs> to, 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 write or, to write that he was the <laughs> most right. humble. The most humble yeah. in the book that will be carried yeah. on for eternity. Kind of like in John's gospel that he is the beloved He's disciple. The one that God I am the right. beloved. That's right. God, Jesus loved oh, me. And that's, me my notes sense. were just laughing. I was thinking about how um, it shares how God asked him to speak to the rock, and and then Moses struck the rock, and it didn't go into the promised land. How I struggled with that passage for so long is the, how severe a penalty that was. And one of the things God has shown me over the years is that going back to your statement about pride and so forth is that um, to rob God of glory is such a grievous mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. When He is asking you to do something a particular way, He's saying, "By doing it the way I'm asking you to do it, you can't get credit for it." Mm-hmm. And there are so many things that He's asked us to do in life, and we're like, "Yeah, but it makes more sense to do it this right. way." He's like, yeah. "Yeah, but that's your way. Mm-hmm. And if you do it your way, then you are going to get the glory." for doing it your way. I'm asking you to purposefully do this this way 
so that you can get no praise for it, so you can mm. receive no glory for it, so that I myself will receive all glory and honor and praise from it. And when we rob God of glory, that hinders other people's ability to see how amazing he is and to then uh, seek him out and so forth. So yeah. it was a, it was a huge, huge blunder on uh, Moses' part, um, one that ultimately just he had to receive the redemption of Christ right. like we all do. Okay. About time for a break. Yeah, you I guys could want to use take a, break? a break. Let's take a break. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk about some questions that we had. We got several questions lined up, so we're gonna take a break. We'll be back in just a second. Welcome back. Here we go. We've got several questions. Haley's got several questions lined up for mm. us, and uh, Pastor George is going to answer them. And here we go. Haley, what do you have? What what questions did you have from the reading this week? Um, Haley, the inquisitive. Numbers twenty one fourteen. Numbers, Not numbers twenty one fifteen. No, anything but that. <laughs> What's that say? Um, it says therefore it is stated in the book of the Lord's wars, and then it goes on what it states but my question is do we know what the book of the lord's wars is wow is that Oof. amazing yeah <laughs> uh there are um a lot of extra biblical uh documents out there like the pseudepigrapha and we talk about mm-hmm. the apocrypha and, and things like that this is just uh, there are several references in the bible about things that we may or may not i not i not that i know of okay. i don't know that we have uh that document uh, and uh, I definitely have not read it if we, if we do. But uh, but just uh, the the rule of thumb is is when you have a reference to a another document, it doesn't mean that that document is authoritative, but any aspect of that document that's quoted within the canonical text is then made authoritative because it's included within okay. the Bible. Yeah. So but yeah, there's there's all types of things that are referenced. Uh, throughout the Bible that uh, we may or may not have mm-hmm. access to. But very, very good eye. <laughs> uh, my second question is Numbers 2718. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when we're introduced to Joshua. And hey. it, it says, yes. um, The Lord replied to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Whenever I read... Um, like the spirit in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. that's not the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy it Spirit. It is. Yeah, mm-hmm. same spirit. Interesting. Yeah, manifested in different ways, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it is. And uh, I mean, there is only one spirit, only one God um, mm-hmm. uh, manifested in uh, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you have instances in the Old Testament when you have a personification or a uh, actually a man who is looks has the attributes of God mm-hmm. we would say that is a pre-incarnate version of Christ mm-hmm. um, and because you're just simply trying to explain how can it be a man and be God uh, how can he have these features of a human being? But we know because he takes on attributes that only God has, so he can't be an angel or a normal angel. And and the Spirit, uh, that's the cool part about the giving of the Holy Spirit in Acts, is here you have when a king would serve, uh, he would receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit would be upon like Saul, for instance, and then it would leave Saul and it would be upon uh, Dave, I say it. He would leave Saul, and then he would be upon David. Uh, and here you have, um, and there is a when uh, when they have the seventy elders 
which was last week. The, we were going to talk about it, we didn't. But uh, when the, the, the Holy Spirit was given, because, you know, we talked about the cool part when the artisans, how it says yes, they, had, yeah. they had the Holy Spirit. And what a cool, that was like one of the first times you hear about the Holy Spirit being inside a, a person. And then you have the 70 elders that the Holy Spirit goes upon all of them. And there were two outside the camp. They weren't even there, so you had 68, and then two were missing, and they still had the Holy Spirit and prophesied, and they were kind of complaining, saying, hey, but they weren't with the rest of the group. And Moses makes this incredible statement. He says, I wish everybody had the anointing of the Holy <laughs> Spirit. You know, he said, that would be the, that's what we're really hoping for, and that's the age we live in, is that every person who comes to a saving knowledge of Christ is anointed with the Holy Spirit. So I think it's just one of those things we are so accustomed to people having the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. to look back at a time when that was not the case, uh, it's it's very akin to the fact that they also didn't have Christ. They didn't have Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, think how often we think about Jesus and rely upon Jesus's teaching, and we have this incredible revelation of God through the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. We don't read the Old Testament to get our vision of who God is. We read the New Testament and say, this is who God is. And then we look at the Old Testament and through the lens of the New Testament, it's instead of vice versa. And Jesus, Jesus reveals to us who God really was in the Old Testament and what was really happening. And we have this incredible gift. And that's why God says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And so with this gift, we are also commissioned to go into all the world and tell people about Jesus. So uh, we don't, if they didn't have any excuse back then to be faithful, we absolutely do not have any excuse uh, to be faithful today. But great question. Yeah, I guess I was just confused because most of the time you hear like Holy Spirit and Acts, mm-hmm. like you came at Pentecost. Yeah. So. But the Spirit's always been here. He's right, eternal. Right, and so, yeah. so he, he just manifests himself in different places when... A, when God, if you think of the Holy Spirit as um, the the part of God that dwells in people, uh, and um, and that so every time there is a time when someone needs to be empowered by God in order to do something that God has called them to do, He, when God manifests Himself inside a person, that is the Spirit of God. And, and that's why yeah. when Jesus did his ministry, the Spirit of God came upon him. And then he gave that Spirit to all <clears throat> all his followers. So this is just incredible. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, my next question is in Mark um, about the fig tree and cleansing the temple. Mm-hmm. I had heard years ago, well, maybe not that long ago, but I've heard before that someone has said that... Um, it's kind of out of character for Christ to do those things. Mm-hmm. To kill a tree? <laughs> to curse a tree and to just express his anger in such a way in the temple. Oh, as far as the cleansing of the temple? Yeah. Yeah, grabbing a whip and driving people out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know the character of Christ apart from what he reveals about his character. Mm -hmm. And so it's not – sometimes he goes against our expectations, um, but that doesn't mean that's not who he is. That just means that we had a wrong conception that has to be corrected by the Mm -hmm. word. And and so here he shows us that it is absolutely within uh, his character to go into the temple and to show a zeal to um, to cleanse. I, you know, 
the same. Again, going back to God, there's one God. He manifests himself in three persons, but all the character traits of, or at least the, if God is going to be the one we're expecting to um, bring wrath upon the world, uh, that same wrath was in his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just, we see the characteristic traits of this is him as a man manifesting this righteous indignation, this righteous wrath, righteous anger. God obviously gets angry throughout the Old Testament, and Jesus is that God. And so he is now showing that anger in the form of a man. It just doesn't match what we think it should Mm -hmm. be, but it is absolutely appropriate for who we know God to be and is in line with the character that the the whole counsel of God uh, shows us. Mm -hmm. It should be a sobering reminder that um, um, it's kind of like, I liken it to my own father, uh, who was very loving, very kind, and enjoyed him. And when we were obedient, life was good. But when we were disobedient, there was a side that came out that we did not find so appreciative. <laughs> and uh, and he transformed into. But that was who he was. But it was a it was a righteous uh, indignation against our disobedience and showing that uh, that if you do not. If you do, if you do go against what my word says, then there will be an, an anger that comes out for that's that's intertwined with his love for me. Um, and talking about my father, my heavenly father and my earthly father, but our heavenly father has a love for us. that says, I'm not going to allow you to sin and get away with it because sin is going to destroy you. And so if in my anger, I'm driving you back to me and back to sin, he knows what it is takes to bring us back to him and if it takes kindness then he draws us with kindness if it takes anger then he uses anger if it takes wrath then he uses wrath but it's always the goal is either to bring us back to him or if we absolutely refuse to not bow down to worship him if we do not want him if we completely reject him then he uses uh, his wrath to give us that which we are begging for is it is it is it wrong to say that like it's in, Jesus is incapable of acting out of character because if you know God mm-hmm. if he's the perfect manifestation of who God is mm-hmm. then there is no like like humans can act out of character if I do something if I yell at my kid right. that you know I may sin against my kid but Jesus doesn't act out of character well if you if you think of it like this our identity comes from God he is he is the standard bearer and so when we act out of character we're acting out of what would be the expectation say say for instance i i all i can do is i have an identity that i was created to be and i can leave that identity and do things not characteristic of who god created me to be but god is uncreated and so he is who he is and there is no yeah his is not possible for him to act in contradiction to his own nature or to his character what he does is who he is for us we can not we can be like him or we can not be like him and and so that's uh, we when you and I say I'm acting out of character that we may be saying this is who I think I am but that's me generating my own identity me trying sure. to say this is who I think I am but that's not even true either because I don't even I don't even know who I am Right. Only he knows who I am fully because he made me and he designed me and I'm fallen and I'm incapable of perceiving myself correctly. So that's why we have to limp on me. That's a, and that's, I think, such a, a moment here for a larger statement. In a world we live in today, you have people desperately trying to identify themselves, desperately trying to say, this is who I am. And I have the right 
to define myself and who I am. And it is that is complete opposition to understanding God as our creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole point, and, th- and when, we, when people say, well, Christians should just get on board and not be prejudiced or biased, it's like, you don't understand. I can't mm-hmm. say that I am this person or I am this because my God has made me and he defines me. I would be lying to you if I said to you that you can choose who you want to be and do whatever. All I can do is clarify you can choose not to have the to be identified with Christ, but I can't tell you you can be identified with Christ and choose your own identity. Yeah. Well, those those two are contradictory. And that's totally true. Not even just in like the sexual revolution that's going on right now, mm-hmm. but it, across weird like. We are obsessed with defining ourselves, whether it's your enneagram type, or mm-hmm. your um, your love language, or yeah. your um, your political affiliation. It mm-hmm. goes everywhere. We're obsessed with pigeonholing ourselves into a definition right. and using social media to create to this create caricature of ourselves yeah. Yeah. that is not even real. Right, you know? and we know it's not real. Yeah, but it's all it's all a smokescreen. Yeah, which is why you have so many people who, when they have to come to terms with who they really are, can't bear the weight it's of that. It's a crisis. Yeah, it's, it's a crisis of, of self-realization, and that is who Jesus came to save, are people who are in this crisis of self-realization, yeah. which is all of us. That's right. Yeah. Cool. That was a long answer to a short question. Yeah, that's good, though. Yeah. That's good. That's all I have. That's all you have. Wow. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll do a quick overview of what's going on um, around here at First Baptist Jackson, and uh, we will be right back. Welcome back. All right. Just a couple things to rehash. Who's your one? Who's your one? That's right. Finishing we, that up this week. We are, and it has been amazing. And I've just, um, I, we've got so many people that are being prayed for, uh, for their salvation. And I, I think this is one of those things that you begin down uh, to ch- change the culture of the church to getting us to focus on people outside. I think that it's seeds are being sown. It could be years before we see the true harvest of that. But just a continual reminder, if you do not have your one, your one is the person that you know is lost, that you're focusing on praying for 30 days or continue to pray beyond that, but at least taking 30 days to pray and focus. You may add some fasting into that, that you or someone else will share the good news of Jesus Christ with this person, uh, sharing your story, but intertwined with the gospel to make sure that your story points them toward the good news that Jesus Christ came and died for their sins and offers them the opportunity for eternal life. Uh, that, uh, that is what we're hoping that you have identified that person and we'll continue to pray for them. If you have identified that person, we hope that you'll share that person with us. You can, uh, we have little cards we have people fill out, but you can send us a text message and say, Hey, here's my one. Would you be praying for them? We'd love to join with you and praying for that person because then we can join in that celebration when that person comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I'm excited about that. Anyway, thank you for joining us, Haley. Uh, We we will ask you back someday in the future and um, appreciate you you doing this with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. 
or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.